Okay, we've got a bit of a toilet in an emergency. I've just been caught by my wife. I've got a Plunkett uh, appointment in less than 45 minutes, but baby's had a bit of a poo explosion, so I've got to make a mad dash home and help her, otherwise we're going to miss the appointment. This is the most excitement I've had in my life for some time, hence I may be overplaying the tension of this rather mundane situation. Anyway, off we go. Parents have different names for this. Poonami, an IND, improvised nappy device, or Code Brown. Come on, move, move. Sheesh. I got 43 minutes. Come on, come on, come on. Bloody walking traffic. God, I'm not hitting every single red light. Whatever you call it, one thing is always true. It can strike at any time. Parents at a moment's notice have to be ready to drop everything. Frantically reach for the wipes and balm and head into the fray. Am I too late? Everything okay? Hi, yeah. Oh, there she is. Hello. Fuel. Catastrophe avoided. Alpha Team, that's my wife's code name, had arrived just in the nick of time. Casualties were minimal. A onesie had taken a serious hit and was put into an intensive wash. We were lucky this time. The question is, will our luck run out? And if so, when? No, no, What do babies say? Ooh, oh, oh. What do baby want? Ooh, oh, oh. What do baby do? Ooh, oh, oh. This the baby life? Ooh, oh, oh. Oh, this is the Man Child Podcast, an account of my dive into dadhood. Oh. From the protests. Don't cry for me, Evelyn Rose. To the nervous negotiations. Okay, should we agree to talk about it? Okay, I'll give you the rattler. The unexpected insights. Oh no! Oh, it off. And the moments that make it all worth it. Smile. On my unlit first path through the fog of fatherhood. What the baby say? Man Child brought to you by News Hub and Rascal and Friends. Alright. Let's see what we got here. Radio New Dads, this is a scene you will encounter often. I know. I know, Poppet. Oh, that smells. Does not smell like you come in peace. According to the Ministry of Health, babies poo about once a day until around four weeks of age. There's a big one. Good girl. After this time, some babies do poos at every feed. Others, only every seven to ten feeds. And 
And pop it. Well done. It's normal for babies to suddenly change their pattern. From early on, Evelyn's pattern was certainly consistent. Oh, look at you. She'd present with a butter-wouldn't-melt smile, leaving no hint of the danger that lay beneath. Oh, you are so cute. That is not so cute. All right, let's have a look here. Oi, yay, crikey, Jim. If there's one piece of advice I have as a new dad, invest in a good change table. One that is solid, easy to access, and has plenty of storage for the incredible amounts of tools you'll need to tame your child's toileting. Wet wipes, wet wipes, and more wet wipes. Cotton balls and baby balm. But a warning for dog owners, make sure you keep the balm out of the pooch's reach. So, <clears throat> so at about 11 o'clock today, I got a text message uh, from my wife that basically said um, the dogs had eaten $30 worth of baby um, bum cream. And she said she noticed um, an empty tub and the dog's stomach's making a weird rumbling sound. So my next question was, do you think it's toxic? But fortunately for them, apparently it's organic ingredients. So Wally and Mabel um, will live uh, to one day eat another tub of baby bum. And so I decided to compare nappy notes with my new dad panel, Rob and Dan, who you heard from in earlier episodes. Have you guys had any issues with um, what becomes quickly a part of your new vernacular, punami, spunami? Are you familiar with such terms? No, I'm familiar with the terms, but haven't had any of those yet. Good. Um, no spews. Um, wow. Um, poos have been um, sort of with intolerances, so nothing too alarming. I, I must have put a nappy on um, Paulie, I think, yesterday because it leaked. He was he was on oh. any weed and that went all over me. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's been um, pretty pretty tidy in that area. Ah. Now, Rob and Dan have the additional challenge of having baby boys, and little lads are known to shoot indiscriminately. You haven't taken any shots to the face, though? No shots to the face. I've taken a couple of shots to my leg, um, <laughs> poo-wise, um, and Ooh, a lot okay. of vomit on the, on the shoulder and, like, just little burps, you know, yeah. basically. But nothing, um, he's still that young where it's all milk, mm. so it's, none of it is that bad. I'm in my late 30s, mm. like this, and although it's my first child, I've had experience with other babies, and mm. you kind of know what you're getting yourself in for. So you yeah. know you're not going to sleep very much. You know you're going to have poo and vomit on you. Mm. It's just part of the deal that yeah. you've signed up for. Dan has wisely touched on another way in which a new baby will change your life. That sweet slumber you have long cherished. Yeah. Say goodbye to that. Baby behavioural expert, Dr Amy Brown explains. So the majority of babies six to 12 months are still waking up at night. Our research showed I think something like 20% of babies aged six to 12 months sleep for eight hours straight without waking up. It's kind of like the norm to wake up because you wake up for all sorts of other reasons and you can't sort them out yourself when you're a baby. And Amy emphasises babies at the end of the day are just little versions of us. Something that might seem obvious, but something I can say is easy to forget in the middle of the night when the crying 
It's a crescendo. Most adults don't sleep for eight hours straight. They will wake up because, you know, they're too cold or they need to go to the toilet or they need a drink or they've had a nightmare or whatever. And the difference is, is that they can sort their needs out. And sometimes that need is great. Oh. It is times like this, as you are elbow deep in nature's scorn on no sleep, that I do thank the heavens that we use disposable nappies. But then again, one can't have a discussion about nappies without discussing the alternative, cloth nappies. But wasn't this old-fashioned obsolete technology? I mean, that is what my mum and dad, Brian and Mary, used when my brother was born 40 years ago. Your father was sent off shopping. He got a list which included, of what to get, which included 48 nappies, which he duly did get from Evans's, I think was the name of the shop he went to for these things. And the person that um, served him there also told him that he should wash them all before we put them on the baby. So I came home to our little flat and there were 48 (laughs) nappies all hanging up to dry from the curtain rails, from the light fittings, from the doors. And I can recall a sinking feeling where I thought... He hasn't even wet one nappy yet, and there's 48 of them surrounding me. According to my dad, disposable nappies circa 1978 were, well, pretty crap. They weren't only not effective, but they had plastic components which were meant to keep the urine in, but they also generated a lot of moisture and heat within the nappy area, so... They were inclined to cause nappy rash or aggravate nappy rash. So it was with some surprise in 2019 that I came across one dad who is a true cloth nappy aficionado. I love them because I mean, with our three children, they're all on cloth nappies. Right, wow. Um, which was more work in the beginning, but much easier, you know, as, as you go through. Yeah. Jacob Fall and his wife, Georgia, established the baby clothing retailer Nature Baby in 1998. In 20 years in the biz, he's fielded all types of inquiries from new dads. Everything from cloth nappies to the more unusual. We did have a man recently want a, want a onesie to match his baby. <laughs> <laughs> to make him bigger sizes. Like seriously or was it a joke? I think it was like a serious joke. One, one he thought, you know, it would be funny, but then he, I think he was quite into the idea. Jacob is big on cloth nappies, but understands the hesitancy new dads have about reusable diapers. It seems so scary that people aren't doing it anymore. There's no peer support. <laughs> you know, like, going, it's okay. You can, you know, uh, I'll show you how to stop it leaking and all, all those things. Um, but I love selling these because it sort of keeps that idea afloat. So what are the imperfections as you see them and yeah. how are they being able to be surmounted? More prone to leakage. Okay. And so you go, oh, I've got a two-month-old baby and uh, they're in their bed and they've wet themselves again and they, and they wake up. Mm. You know, so that you're trying to mitigate that disaster. Yeah. But once you learn, you, you sort that out. So you work out how to put in boosters overnight. Yeah. Um, you learn, 
you know that during the day what you know what time they're generally going mm. so you can kind of react to it more quickly okay. Jacob says if you go down the cloth nappy path you'll need 24 to 36 cotton inners and five or six waterproof wraps to go over the top with the cotton once you like get au fait with it mm. and kind of accept some of the imperfections yeah because um, the thing is you have a bucket going every day anyway yeah. for washing clothes, you know, and it's got a lid on it. And so yeah. if you get that system, you know, and, and men out there, you know, mm. we can help out with this. Yeah. You're going to wash those through anyway, and then you never have to go to the supermarket or, or buy mm. online to deliver, you know, your, yeah. you know, six boxes of disposable nappies for, yeah. that, for that month. You're just using your own cotton. But even if you try to get started with cloth nappies and find it is too much, it won't be a wasted purchase. Despite our love of the disposables, one of the best baby gifts my wife and I received were about two dozen cloth nappies from my mother-in-law, Kathy. Blankets, burp cloths, wraps and bum wipers. There are so many uses for basic squares of cotton when you have a newborn in the house. So although we're yet to part ways with our beloved disposables, we use those cloth nappies in some way every single day. I mean, life is all about compromise, right? Rascal and Friends Premium Nappies and Pants are changing the nappy game. They're known for keeping punamis contained with features like a 3D core for an increased absorbency area, double leak guards and a high back waistband. Available in their cute signature print in all sizes from newborn to junior and new to the Rascal Collection, sensitive wipes made with 99 plus percent natural ingredients. Perfect for cleaning up little and not so little Rascal messes. Get your Rascal and Friends from New World Pack and Save in Foursquare Nationwide. Now, turning from one parenting pitfall to another, accidentally making your baby cry. I have my own sin to confess. I once made Evelyn cry during an act of utter tomfoolery. I decided to share my dark secret with the dad panel, Rob and Dan. Have any of you guys made your baby cry yet? I've made my baby cry. <laughs> I went to like pretend like to have an arm wrestle with her, and I then went, Oh, like made a big sound as you know, pretending that she beat me, um, and she just absolutely freaked out, and and my wife started got all kind of, and I just felt really guilty after. Have you guys? Have you guys? Had, I haven't made him cry. Um, he's he, you know, he cries when I, when, yeah. when I change him and stuff, and that feels pretty terrible. Like especially yeah. if it ramps up to like the high pitch yeah. screeching. Um, a couple of times when I've been. Um, like holding him and stuff, and maybe his head's rolled back a little bit, and I yeah. sort of panicked. I'm like, oh shit, have I? Is this irreversible damage I've caused? <laughs> and I was, he was in his car seat a couple of days ago, and I was just trying to like test that he was secure, and I kind of rocked the seat a little bit, and then I thought, oh god, I'm shaking him now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to cause you know brain damage, but um, you know, it was it was nothing. But um, yeah, but he hasn't cried. I don't think I've caused tears. Oh, no. you're doing well. You're doing well for somebody who's crossed that divide. Finish it finally with you, Dan. How about yourself? Ian? Um, I have made him cry quite a few times, and um, generally with things that I have to do, like changing or applying yeah. cream to dry skin or something, which is a little bit sore for him. But the one that um, got me was um, I'll sing to him. I sing to him every day. Ah. And occasionally, if you just do a loud, if you do a loud noise, <laughs> he'll cry with after getting a fright. Yeah. And that one is. I don't feel bad. I just no. it's just kind of funny. Yeah, and I just lift. Yeah, you just lift him up and cuddle him and say, "Oh, it's all right." <laughs> Occasionally, Daddy's a dork. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, identifying what your baby is crying about can be very difficult. Here's midwife 
Kathy Frey. How do you know if they're hungry? You know, how do you tell a hungry cry from a non-hungry cry? Generally speaking, with a hungry cry, they put their tongue up to the roof of their mouth and they make a meh sound. Meh, 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 meh. Because they're wanting to suckle and they need to put their tongue to suckle. So they're sort of tossing their head, sort of trying to find a boob. And also, um, ideally, they've only actually been awake for about five or ten minutes. So they've woken up because they're hungry. Now, I have to admit, this excellent advice you're listening to, well, I didn't receive it before I had already resorted to other tactics to calm a crying Evelyn. Between you and I, Evelyn is the only person on the planet I can feel entirely comfortable speaking absolute nonsense to. By the time Evelyn was around two months old, we began to see in her some cool changes. Increasingly becoming more like a, an interactive human being, which is nice. It's a slow but steady change. And, um, yeah, it's really nice, actually. It's been quite cool. Um, you know, it's amazing being a parent, and I don't think that the amazingness of that ever wears off, actually. I think that's that's always with you. Um, but I think it only gets better um, the more you're able to n- notice that you're interacting with your children and all your stupid facial expressions, sounds, goo-gahs, silly songs are actually registering even in the most minute way because I suppose otherwise it's uh, I suppose in a sense you're kind of just talking to yourself which is maybe some symptom of madness no it's been really cool actually and every new day brings a new little uh, development so it's, it's quite cool it has occurred to me as I have listened back to the recordings of my time with Evelyn that I do tend to speak with her in this oddly high pitched voice where it comes from or why, I have no idea. You gonna smile for me? You gonna smile? You gonna smile for me? You gonna smile for me? Yes? Of course, experts will tell you such parent child contact is essential. Babies are gonna benefit from social interaction. It's how they learn about the world, it's how they learn that the world is a positive place, it's how they learn their language development. They want to see human faces and they want to see smiley human faces. And, you know, in the early months, they don't understand words. So as long as you say it while smiling and kind of like in a nice sing-song voice to the baby, you can say whatever you want to them. So it was with some relief when Dr Amy told me this high-pitched hoo-ha is actually kind of normal. Probably biologically programmed. I mean, they've got a phrase for it. They used to call it mother ease. So like mother with E-S-E on the end. And then they got a bit more kind of up to date and called it parent ease. It's a way of engaging with your child that they kind of can hear the high pitched kind of melody kind of sound of your voice. And it helps them learn how to speak. I mean, we feel completely daft doing it some of the times, but... It is just kind of this kind of biological thing, I think, that parents seem to do with their babies because you don't, you know, they seem to automatically do it. But it's meant to help their language development and sort of engagement with them because it keeps them kind of looking at your face and just engaging. But you'll sound like an idiot. (laughs) But according to Amy, there is nothing idiotic about introducing your children to their favourite sports club as soon as possible. Oh, that needs to be done from birth, definitely.
or you risk them going off on oof, yeah, all sorts of awful consequences. <laughs> I needed no encouragement. Spellbound. Absolutely spellbound. We're going all the way, going, going all the way. Off, oh, pass the defender, booyah! First, I had to introduce Evelyn to the greatest football team in the world, Liverpool FC. Pure perfection. Followed by the greatest super rugby team in the world, the Hurricanes, as if you needed to know. Go, boy! All of this rugby talk actually reminds me of one of my favourite stories about my dad as a new parent. Can you describe the incident where dad knocked himself out, coming back from the hospital to, to watch the Welsh game? Well, is it, well I don't remember who it was. Well, it doesn't surprise me you don't remember. <laughs> my mum and dad were living in Lower Hart, where they both worked as doctors at the local hospital. On the night in question, my mum was at home with my brother John, who was around six months old. I can't remember who the Irish were playing and what the circumstances. It was a, it was a, it was a four nations at those days. Dad was desperate to get back for the game, so took off running at high speed. Now, what happens next only makes sense when you realise my dad runs with a single-minded intensity akin to Forrest Gump. It was dark. And I was running to get back in time to see the television. Must have been a replay. Mm. And they had put a a wire across the area that I was running. And so the next thing I can remember was waking up with one of our colleagues who lived next door in another hospital flat. Mm. So you ran into it and knocked yourself out? Well, I fell over head over his. I don't remember any of it, of course. He came at home. I knocked at the door, didn't I? Yeah, and uh, I let him in. (laughs) (laughs) And he was bleeding from his forehead a little bit. Dad heard my brother crying, and much to my mum's surprise, he asked her, who is that? At that stage, I cottoned on that there Everything wasn't right in the upper story. And you wondered who the child was and where it got from. <laughs> That's right. My career was never quite the same again. <laughs> Actually, in fairness to my dad, he was the best father I could have ever asked for. Someone to model myself on as I begin my life as a father. What a baby do! Next time on Manchild. We uh, quickly went to a doctor, GP, and then went from there to the hospital when about eight hours later we were pushing out a... Oh, my wife was pushing out, anyway, um, a stillborn baby. I have four babies that have died. One of my babies, my son Noah, he was taken out of my arms and wrapped in a black sack in front of me and taken away for postmortem. And I didn't have a voice to say... What do you say that when you hear news like that, Mm. um, uh, you can't explain how that sounds to hear those words that your son's heart stopped beating? Man Child was brought to you by News Hub and Rascal and Friends. Written by me, Mike Wesley-Smith. Produced by Maggie Wicks. With audio engineering by Phil Yule. Go to newshub.co.nz forward slash podcasts for more.